you know, this is uh, at the very, very good scale in terms of committing crimes, I suppose. Yeah. So, hello and welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views, and overreactions to all things NFL. It's finally here. It's our week one preview. So we're going to go through some of the news, some of the preseason awards, and then our look forward to week one. So, hey, we got Connor here and we got Fitz. Hello. How you on, Fitz? How's all down in Cork? Yeah, not too bad. You know, the, the evenings are drawing in, winter approaches, but, you know, Cork is one of the few places in Ireland that's doing pretty well on the old uh, COVID right now, so... Oh, just stay away from all the all the other counties and you should be safe. I'm sure poor <laughs> people would tell you. We'll be the first to tell you how great it is down here with the lack of COVID, you know. No, of course. I'm obviously up in Donegal here myself at the moment working remotely. But I will be coming down to your neck of the woods in about two weeks or so. And I'll bring all the COVID I can with me uh, so we can share it around. But yeah, obviously getting very excited. Uh, back to work this week, but I'm still planning to get up and watch the uh, the Thursday night football game in the middle of the night. So uh, just just excited to actually have football starting back, you know? We both kind of agreed we would probably get to this point and then it's about how it gets on from here. But early indications are, are pretty good that they're keeping us under control. So, And mm-hmm. the other sports leagues, you know, are doing okay and managing to get by. But right now they're keeping it safe under their jacket and uh, nothing too crazy happening. Yeah, no, of course. So we'll try and fly through the news because we've got a lot to get through this week. So obviously, in since we last spoke, multiple teams were cancelling practices due to unrest after the police shooting of Jacob Blake in Kenosha. Uh, Detroit were the first to cancel the practice. Baltimore came out strongly afterwards with a statement. Uh, New York Jets, Seattle and a number of others also cancelled practices suited walkthroughs and stuff like that and a lot of teams have been getting involved in addition to this in this uh, NFL get out the vote type campaign so they're offering their stadiums as polling stations for uh, for the vote in November so yeah there's been a, a lot around this I must say I was quite impressed with the response that a lot of the teams had to this and you know basically that you don't have kind of like Drew Brees during the summer you didn't have someone step out of line and just say something completely stupid this was a situation where everyone recognised the gravity of what happened obviously the shooting of jacob blake um, who was shot i think seven times in the back while police were trying attempting to apprehend him um obviously lit an additional fire under the black lives matter movement that's been obviously a major talking point on the other side of the atlantic all summer and you know there's obviously been a lot of other incidents that have occurred after the protests uh, written house fella who shot two people and all that all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff so it's you know all of this ended up creating a fairly a fairly robust response from the NFL. The NFL has obviously publicly kind of said we were basically wrong. Like Roger Goodell in a podcast said mm-hmm. that Colin Kaepernick situation, they handled that wrong. They'd handle it different today. And now they're making big pushes to yeah, open their stadiums as polling places. Employees will get the entire day off to vote on polling day in America and, you know, other stuff. And obviously a lot of talk about going out there and using your voice. So, for example, in Hard Knocks, last week's episode, uh, the Chargers decided to cancel their practice. And then there was a big section about them going to the interview, in, getting interviewed and talking about, uh, you know, the issues of social justice and such. And yeah, so, you know, Baltimore probably gave the strongest statement as a team because they said the officers should be arrested for, I guess, for the Breonna Taylor incident. And then they also called explicitly for um, legislative changes to increase voting access rights. But uh, other teams like the Jets and, and like Pete Carroll from the Seahawks gave statements as well. So, you know, Colin Kaepernick hasn't been signed, so that thing hasn't gone away. And obviously we, we may see that when the kneeling comes back in force, you know, there may be attempts by certain political actors, uh, you know, prizes for guessing who, who may try mm. to make it a big issue again. But I think right now within the NFL community, there is very strong support for this, uh, for, uh, you know, solidarity uh, on this issue of Black Lives Matter and relation to the Jacob Blake shooting. So hopefully within the community, they will keep that up and will this will turn into something where outside actors will be ignored and pilloried for uh, refusing to do so. Basically what's been happening in the NBA for multiple years at this yeah. point is what we want to see from the NFL. No, of course. Washington Post has published further stories about the Washington football team's Basically, sexual misconduct and tying some of it to the owner, Dan Schneider, who we've well established here and elsewhere is a piece of shit and shouldn't be involved in the league full stop. Uh, this story refers to a swimsuit shoot of Washington cheerleaders back in around 2008, where he was looking for videos of the good bits, which are, you know, 
exposed nipples and crotches kind of things that happened during the photo shoot then more things about him like sending cheerleaders to friends rooms a lot of this stuff had to be anonymous because people are afraid of retaliation but schneider's gone on the offensive saying that it's false it's all fake news and he's suing people over it so nfl are now investigating the claims seems fairly standard for what we think this guy does and is capable of so i'm not all that surprised by it it's still disgusting but it's just like this feels like a dan snyder type story you know this is a situation where dan snyder is basically saying oh well i you know i didn't know about this stuff but you know the specific kind of headline story that was used here which was about you know the in, in air quotes the good bits are the good parts according to uh, like a former uh like according to larry michael that's the claim that he said he's a he's a he's the lead broadcaster previously mm-hmm. and a senior vice president and he the claim is that he was saying that this was being done for dan snyder and then obviously there was the another allegation that dan snyder was offering up cheerleaders to friends ba- to his friends basically mm-hmm. so you know this is obviously a very you know significant escalation on top of the you know, sexual harassment claims that we had from the previous Washington Post story, but also the fact that it now directly or certainly has evidence that Dan Snyder was directly involved in some of these actions does escalate it significantly in terms of the NFL. So the NFL has now taken over basically this entire investigation from uh, Snyder and from the team. And he's basically said, oh, yeah, of course, that's great. We'll see how that goes. You know, realistically, Dan Snyder isn't a very good owner in terms of how he looks for the organization, for the league as a whole so i'd imagine that he's already under pressure to start like making you know getting his personal affairs of the hair but of course you know these owners have a lot of leverage it's very hard to get rid of them so if he's willing to brazen it out and obviously we see that he he has started suing people then you know there's not an unreasonable chance he might get away with it but here's hoping that there is some consequence for what are some pretty pretty off accusations here yeah it's uh just another the long line of that organization and particularly Dan Schneider being shit. There was a story, we'll kind of run through quickly, of false positives on COVID tests. There were 77 people declared positive. It then turned out that there was a mistake in the lab and that there was only five real positives since the 12th of April. So obviously this has caused them to change some of their protocols around it. The worry would be if this was to happen in a week before a game, but I believe they're now swapping to multiple testings and quick turnarounds on Friday and Saturday or something along those lines. Yeah, like I think after the Matt Stafford situation, they were already moving this way. And I think this major incident kind of shook them because like people like Josh Allen were caught in the web of this particular um, false positive sweep. So I think they recognize that, you know, if you're going to if these false positives are a risk of the trade and these are happening on Thursday or Saturday or whatever, then you need to have a confirmatory test the same day. They have the resources, they have the money to do this. And so Mm -hmm. they're going to choose to do that. Now, the good news is that there's only been five real positives since the 12th of August up till uh, up till this week. So it seems to be that players are taking responsibility for their action and are trying to, you know, minimize exposure to uh, COVID. We'll see as the as as the le- as as the season goes on whether that stays up. But of course, you know, there will almost certainly be positive cases. It's just oh, about yeah. how many does it turn does it turn into an outbreak and which players does it affect? Because there's obviously a big difference between like a like a practice squad type player getting it and like Drew Brees or Tom Brady getting it. So we'll we'll it'll be very interesting to see how the league reacts to that in real time and. Uh, you know, leagues are mostly playing through it, so I expect the NFL will try to do the same if if, if and when it comes up. No, of course, and I think they are building it into the roster. My favourite story this week has been Josh McCown becoming the oldest practice squad player in history. Yeah, so he's yeah. going to serve as their backup, backup, backup quarterback. He is getting paid 12 grand a week to sit at home in Texas and watch film and only has to do anything if everyone else goes down with COVID. It's great, great work if you can get it, you know? Yeah, it's not A couple of other small bits. Sean Payton suggested a postseason bubble on a committee uh, call with the competition committee. And um, the NFL is contemplating allowing pumping crowd noise when the fans aren't there. And I believe a couple of stadiums have been looking at the idea of selling digital seating so that the people can make noise from the seats while not being there, which seems yeah, really weird to me. I, I think the NBA has, has done that, but it's obviously a very different environment in the NBA. It's an enclosed space. It's indoors and kind of the court's a lot smaller. Uh, you know, wrestling has tried a bit of this. I think there is now moves that from about week four on, teams will uh, are slowly letting people in or asking permission for people to come in. But even then, we'll be talking like you know less than ten thousand at the very most. So I thought you know, there's it, 
I thought there was people allowed in already. I thought there was people going to be at the Kansas City Chiefs yeah, game. So I think some teams are letting them in. I think for the Kansas City one, it might be a special case for the first game. But, you know, I think a lot of teams for the first month or so will probably have empty stadiums. But there are even the teams who have empty stadiums initially, some of them are already applying to uh, allow fans in uh, mm-hmm. about a month into the season. So, you know, like but even like the manager letting in, it's not going to give you an atmosphere, really. Like it's going to be very, very different. So it'll yeah. be interesting to see how they go with this. Like, if you have pump crowd noises, it have to be at a constant level at all times, or does it simulate the fact that home fans would generally be louder during the opposition's offensive mm-hmm. snaps? You know, I think it'll be interesting to see what they do, but I think for now they'll they'll probably have it, but probably not too overwhelming, I'd say, initially. Crime and punishment, what are they doing? Probably felonies. Well, in the first case, definitely. Two former LSU students have accused ex-Washington running back Darius Geis of rape. They say the school didn't follow up with it. This is kind of... Again, there's been numbers of stories of these coming out about student-athletes not getting things investigated, everything getting brushed under the table. This is obviously after Geis was cut for battery and assault on his uh, domestic abuse. And uh, yeah, just that guy's never going to play in the league again. He's a piece of shit. I'm glad he's gone. Everything is technically allegedly, but the evidence based on what we know about his uh, girlfriend is very strong and certainly smoke with no smoke without fire and all that. So... If this is true, hopefully these uh, women might get access to justice, even if it's a bit delayed. No, of course. Uh, Cincinnati cornerback Mackenzie Alexander is charged with battery. He attacked someone. Now, I'll be honest, when I was reading this story, I would, I'm would i completely on Mackenzie Alexander's yeah, side. Like... So his father went off berry picking in Florida with this guy. And this guy was like, ah, fuck it. I'll just leave him there and left his father behind. His father went missing. So Mackenzie Alexander got in an altercation with him trying to find his dad who at the time had been missing for three days i think yeah like yeah like i think there's one of the cases he'll probably have to pay a fine at worst maybe a little bit of community service or something like that but i think given the circumstances uh, i expect that it will be seen in a relatively uh, a relatively kind light uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. an asshole like this is you know if you're if your elderly father goes missing because some asshole couldn't like pay attention for a day uh, you would probably be uh, riled up as well. You know, this is uh, at the very, very good scale in terms of committing crimes, I suppose. Yeah. Kansas City cornerback Rashad Breland has got a four-game ban under the substance abuse policy. We knew this was coming in. We just didn't know how long it was going to be. Uh, it leaves a bit of a hole at cornerback. They're going to be rotating a couple of players through there for the moment. And they've also had Kansas City defensive tackle Mike Pinnell has been suspended for two games under the PED policy. They have coverage for him a lot more than they maybe have for the cornerback position. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. We've got a couple of kind of transactions to look at so in terms of trades and signings minnesota have traded a 2021 second round pick and a conditional fifth in 2021 for defensive end yannick and gawkway from jacksonville gawkway had been vocal about wanting to get out of jacksonville he is what like the 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 19th or 20th player of the of the 22 that got them to the championship game that's gone he took a pay cut to get out of there which is crazy. That fifth round conditional goes up to a third round if he makes the Pro Bowl and they win a Super Bowl, I believe. But yeah, he just wandered out of there and he's gone. They've also traded some other players like Rodney Harrison as well and they've mm-hmm. been cutting players. So it's it's very much a fire sale in Jacksonville right now. Um, and we know they traded people like, like Calais Campbell earlier this offseason as well. So this is a full fire sale from Jacksonville and I think Yannick Ngakwe... I think he was so annoyed he may have been someone willing to actually do the holdout even though it would be it doesn't make any sense anymore and so I think this was just inevitably going to happen and Jacksonville get a second compared to some of the trades we've seen like say Jamal Adams like this doesn't seem like a lot but we know there's a difference in leverage between you know a Ngakwe situation like this year or Clowney last year where you know they're not really on the same like the, the, the team can't really keep them and for Minnesota you know, after losing Everson Griffin uh, to free agency, getting this guy for a second and, and a fifth probably is pretty good business. They can put him alongside Daniel Hunter, and they're basically back to having one of the better fronts in the league. Yeah, I think it's, for a, a, it's, a, it's a big gap yeah. for Minnesota. Their defense is uh, massively yeah. improved. They're a, D, D, they're a D first team under Zimmer, so I think they'll be very happy with what they did here. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Minnesota, I think, you know. We know the issue isn't really the defense, but uh, certainly makes them more likely to be that 10 and 6 that we expect from them usually. 
No, of course. And Tennessee signed defensive end Jadavian Clowney. It's a one-year deal worth up to 15 million, kind of approve it. So he reunites with old defensive coordinator Mike Vrabel. There's an interesting couple of stories coming out about the league stepping in and stopping certain transactions from happening. So New Orleans yeah. were apparently interested and Baltimore were interested, but they didn't have the cap space for it. And there was discussions of other teams signing him to basically sign him, eat some cap, and then trade him to one of the other teams, New Orleans or the Ravens essentially purchasing picks off them which they said we want to stop happening but all you need to do is just go look at brock lobster and what happened there that was the browns purchasing a pick like it's happened beforehand i don't think they should have actually stepped in to stop it i think it's more the three-way card trick type of uh problem that the nfl is kind of like i think they don't want trades to become multiple team endeavors like if someone gets traded to you that's that's it and then you know if it doesn't work out you trade them later on but kind of trading cap space across multiple teams you know it could get pretty messy pretty quickly and perhaps would disadvantage the teams that are financially generally tend to have less money up front basically teams like the chargers for example but i i wouldn't have a problem with it personally but i can kind of see where the nfl is coming from and especially you know new orleans like the the report now comes out to baltimore we're going to do a similar thing using jacksonville as intermediary so I, obviously some additional teams will probably look into this into the future further but for now uh it, it's been it's been shot for now but i expect that you know this might be something that people want clarifications on um in the uh, competition committee and similar uh, going mm-hmm. forward uh, yeah, but for Clowney so. going to Tennessee, like Tennessee have a pretty good front already. And I think he could definitely make them a lot more strong, especially against the run. And he should have a decent chance to uh, be pretty productive under Vrabel. That's who he, he's used to. And they had a pretty good relationship in Houston. So uh, he oh, should be course. happy enough, even if even if re- realistically he could have made a lot more money if he just signed in the at the beginning of free agency. Just a couple of other quick signings. Uh, New York Giants signed safety Logan Ryan. Tampa Bay signed running back Leonard Fournette after Jacksonville cut him. And Josh Rosen, they cut him. He's now put it on their practice squad after Miami cut him. And Detroit have signed running back Adrian Peterson after Washington cut him. Uh, good timing for them as one of their one of their uh, other running backs has now had to go to injured reserve for the first yeah. three or four weeks. So, uh, well, Bo Scarborough has gone to IOR and I think you know DeAndre Swift, their second-round rookie, is... Has been hurt, so yeah, all these all these signings more or less make sense, except for fantasy owners, basically. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, we'll fly through some extensions because I think they don't change the makeup of the teams that much. We'll talk about maybe one or two of them. Houston extend quarterback to Sean Watson, four years, 156 million with 110 million guaranteed, and linebacker Zach Cunningham, four years, 58 million. Arizona extend DeAndre Hopkins, two years, 54 million. Holy shit, I forgot it was that big. And safety Buda Baker, four years, 50, uh, 59 million. Keenan Allen gets a four year, $80 million contract. Joe Mixon gets a four year, $48 million contract. Yeah, Tredavious White, Cam Hayward, Taylor Decker, Ryan Kelly. Uh, Kareem Hunt was a bit of a surprise, two years, 13.25 million. Yeah, like. A lot of these make sense. Mixon getting locked down by Cincinnati because they have the cap space now. Keenan Allen, yeah, he is kind of their big guy and they keep losing wide receivers. Deshaun Watson is interesting. I would have thought that he... It's kind of an in-betweeny kind of contract, you know, that he's gone for four years so he'll get another bite at the apple. He isn't sure he wants to lock yeah. in there the whole... It's $39 million a year, so it's above everyone except for uh, Mahomes. And sure, well, it is above Mahomes for the next three years anyway. Yeah. Well, yeah, of course. But like, I think it's a situation where Watson, he's doing something similar to what Russell Wilson did after his rookie contract. He took the four-year deal because he, he, he bet on himself that if you get back to the market quicker, you can the, the, the cap will have gone up and then you can re-up for even more and you mm-hmm. won't get swallowed by the cap. So this is something that's worked for good quarterbacks before. It's obviously something where he's willing to bet on himself. And obviously it's an organization that perhaps he doesn't feel... You know, it's not a team like Andy Reid or whatever where you've won a Super Bowl and you want to stick with them. This is maybe, you know, you know, you've been more out maybe <laughs> to get out. Yeah. You, know, you know, five years from now, I'll get away from Bill O'Brien. It'd be great. And then, yeah, like the DeAndre Hopkins contract for Arizona is is basically unprecedented. Like, they, 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 technically, this is a two-year extension to the three years he already had, but it does include a really big signing bonus, about $40 million, I think. Mm-hmm. So he's getting that money now. So, like, that, like most of this money is coming to him right now, even if it's really in cap terms, going to be spread out over the entirety of five years. Yeah. And Buda Baker was another guy that they chose to give a lot of money to. He, he's never had a he's never had a pick as a safety, but yeah. he's kind of this great hybrid type player. And I've seen some analysis that he really fits what they want to do 
um, yeah. with that defense. And yeah, like guys like Keenan Allen, Joe Mixon, Travis White, and Cam Hayward, these are all guys who deserve their money and who have all performed for their team. And I think, if, you know, this is just, you know, we thought maybe that these contracts were becoming a bit slower because of the whole uncertainty around the cap due to COVID. But I think all of these guys are, 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 are cornerstone players. And, you know, no matter what's going to happen, you might as well get them in and not have any uncertainty around them. Because we know, like we said, Dak Prescott and the Cowboys, that these things, when they become messy, can can make your life a lot more difficult as a GM. So, you know, oh, decent yeah. business all around for them. Yeah, and what you see with these ones, like your Arizona, your Chargers, your Cincinnati, like these are teams that have rookie quarterbacks. Yeah, so they're able to try and get the pay their stars now and then kind of, you know, Kind of might as well make use of it now. Like you said, that Hopkins stuff, it's two years, but that'll be, you know, four or five years down the line, that'll be covering. So it's probably good for them to get it done now. Cuts, uh, Baltimore cut safety Earl Thomas after he had a fight with Chuck Clark during training camp. The senior uh, leadership council of the players got together and said they didn't want him there anymore. Apparently he's been very disinterested and uh, been pretty shitty to the management he yeah. was late for class uh, late for meetings because he wanted to wash his car didn't seem like he wanted to be there and frankly by the end of last year it looked like he had lost more than maybe a step or two so baltimore are going to say that he had uh, conduct unbecoming and will try and claw back some of his money so he's gonna fight them on that but um yeah it's not a great end to the tenure with Baltimore there and it's probably a reason why he has yet to be picked up that's definitely true and I think you know he is he is a specific type of safety you're talking about your single high safety so you need to have a scheme that kind of to, to really make sense of that and obviously maybe he's lost a step or two which is huge in terms of his efficacy at that position so yeah like you know obviously this is someone that you could tolerate his kind of weirdness when he's uh, all pro safety, but now that maybe he's moving more towards uh, like a low end Pro Bowl type safety, teams are, or maybe worse than that, certainly, that the duct tape to suggest even worse than that, certainly teams are taking a much more leery look at him. I expect that he'll get picked up by someone, but it'll have to be a team that, that's, that's happy to risk dealing yeah. with a personality like Thomas. Like, you know, a team like the Seahawks kind of generally was okay with that type of stuff happening in the locker room, but. A lot of teams like the Ravens aren't quite willing to do that kind of stuff. No, of course. Uh, New England cut most anew, which is obviously they used a second round trade, a second round pick to trade and pick him up last year. He didn't do anything for them. Oh well, Lamar Miller's also gone as they brought Sonny Michelle back out of uh, IR. The only injury we'll talk about just briefly uh, should happens every year. Chargers, their safety Derwin James is gone for the season. Uh, meniscus injury. He's getting surgery on it. He'll be out for eight months. To be honest, only losing one big name. Although I suppose they did lose some of their wide receivers as well, didn't they? Um, yeah, Mike Williams has a. He, he might be out for the first. Uh, month of the season as well but yeah like uh derwin james obviously huge hype around him he's gonna you know come back and, and be a you know come back later the year type candidate and now yeah. his season's already over and you know this this has been some a problem with him since college he's always looked amazing but he's always had these injury issues and the Chargers mm. are a team that seem to attract this type of stuff and you yeah. know philadelphia they lost their offensive tackle andrew dillard and a few of their other players so they're another team that's also been snake beaten recently and they're finding a problem uh, the only other team that's really suffered injuries in the, during train camp to any severe degree is Cleveland with a lot of guys that you might know, like Grant Delpit and Kevin Johnson, but guys who are expected to contribute, but but to who now also won't. So it'll be interesting to see how these teams adapt to these uh, the, the loss of these players for the season. Uh, the only other thing we'll mention is Ron Rivera, head coach of the Washington football team, is diagnosed with skin cancer. He's undergoing chemo and proton therapy. He said it was caught early. It's very treatable. They've got Jack Del Rio who'll step in if needed, but uh, we send all the best to Ron and hope he... So he's got he's got, he's got got a lot on his plate anyway already with the having to oversee the attempt to rebuild that shell of a franchise. So best of luck to him in, in facing this. So I suppose we will move on and we'll look at our preseason awards. Okay, so premature congratulations. Man, that name just keeps on being our name. <laughs> so we will start with our good player awards. Uh, comeback player of the year, who you have gone for. Do you want to give me a quick line or two about yeah, who you've gone for and why? I went for Cam Newton. I think it's the obvious one. He's been named starter in New England. He's obviously coming back. He's a big name. You know, you'll immediately think of him. And I think in New England, he's been put in a position where, yeah, the talent around him isn't great, but he is under Bill Belichick. So I expect that he can have a good season, perhaps even a great season. And if New England sneak into the playoffs, then it'll be hard 
not to see him as being one of the favourites. Now, the guy you're talking about, if he plays a snap, perhaps deserves a lot more, but I'm, I'm not sure he'll actually end up playing <laughs> this season. We'll see. Yeah, I've, 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 got, I've gone for Alex Smith. Uh, just Look, it's incredible to see him make a roster and still be there. Yeah, I just think it's a, it's a hell of a... Hell, hell, hell of a story to be honest and comeback player of the year is always story so if he comes in and he wins a game jesus it'll be probably pretty much do it for me uh yeah i'm with you on newton is probably a more likely candidate i just i just like the idea of alex smith winning it. well you know you've got uh, good good memories with alex smith so i, can I, do, indeed. I do indeed breakout player of the year i am i am immediately i forgot that i picked this player and i'm not happy with it <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> England wide receiver Nikhil harry who has had a stinker of a training camp from everything i hear yeah i kind of went improved on the basis recently of, I, i've heard it. it's improved recently like i basically i'm going on I'm, I'm going on the basis of cam newton's there so it'll be a different type of system than they were playing in last year he's a big bodied receiver he's got speed like they're going to have to throw it to someone and there's not a ton on that offense. So I just think, I think he'll have the opportunity to do it. It's just a question of whether or not he'll be able to, to, to make the most of that opportunity. There's a chance of that. I've gone for Tennessee defensive tackle, Jeffrey Simmons. He was very, very highly rated coming out of the draft. He came back late last year and showed certainly upside and flashes of being an elite type of defensive. And obviously now that they've brought in Jadavian Clowney, that might help take away some of the pressure from him as well. Um, I think the biggest problem is that, you know, uh, obviously without camps you don't really get the same level of information to base these off so i think this year we could de- it's definitely more open that we could see a genuine surprise that no one sees coming in terms of a guy breaking out and being being an elite type player um in the no, second or third year i generally don't yeah. consider rookies to be breakout candidates that, that's a kind of different category for me uh offensive rookie of the year speaking of we're in agreement here at joe burrow look he's quarterback first overall pick he's the only quarterback from this year's draft that's starting so he's going to have a better run at it and like i know we're, we're slightly different levels of hype for this but i think the cincinnati offense is going to be great and i don't think there's a lot of other options because all of the wide receivers that went went to teams that already have you know multiple receivers might not get the volume yeah like i think you know maybe you could see someone like jerry judy or cd lamb maybe making the thousand yard but I expect that Joe Burrow should probably be around 4,000 yards, a uh, good touchdown to, to interception ratio in that system. So, yeah, I, I'm pretty, yeah. it'll and be pretty be, hard to get past him. Yeah, they'll, also, they'll probably be playing from behind a bit, so he'll be throwing it a lot. So you might, have, you might see slightly inflated interception numbers, but I think, yeah, like you said, if you get a 4,000-yard rookie, like it's hard to not give him that. Uh, defensive Rookie of the Year, uh, you've gone for? I've gone for Chase Young. It's the obvious one. He, you know, Coming out of college, he was considered to be a can't-miss prospect, like a, a game-changing type defensive end. He's joining a very talented uh, defensive line group, you know, with guys like Jonathan Allen, guys like uh, Ryan Kerrigan, times like Montez Sweat, like a, a, just a very good line. So he'll definitely have the opportunity to make an impact if he is the type of player that he was brought up to be. So I think with, with the, with the, with the uh, football team, I think, you know, it's not like there's going to be much else taking attention away from someone like Chase Young if he actually happens to have a really good season. No, of course. And I think I think you're going to see him both the defensive rookie of the year and defensive player of the year. I have I, I like your picks, but I have an ideological reason why I don't think it'll happen. I've gone for Patrick Queen. I really liked him coming out of the draft. I really like that Baltimore defense. I think they'll know how to use him correctly. And uh, I think... He's going to be he's, he's going to be looked at a lot by the commentators, so I think he's going to be very visible. They've got a lot of uh, primetime games as well, and I expect to see him in the postseason. So I think visibility plus being on a good defense, because I just don't think the football team are going to be good enough for him to shine for Chase Young. If he gets sacked, that's all you need. Like That's what I'm kind of betting on. This is where, because I've got the same ideological problem here. Defensive player of the year, I've gone for Nick Bosa. Because uh, I think he's going to get big sack numbers. I think they're going to be visible. And I think the team is going to do well. Because I think it's really hard to win one of these of the year awards while being on a terrible team. Because you've gone for the for the, yeah, the standards. Yeah, Aaron, Aaron Donald. He good at football. Uh, yeah. Hard knocks, he still say he good at football. And, you know, if he gets above, like, I suppose there's a little bit of, like, you know, bored of him because he's too good. But... You know, if he has one of his up seasons where you're talking like, you know, 12, 15 more sacks, then yeah, it'll yeah. be hard not to vote for him. Like he's kind yeah, of like, of course. you know, like I think last year was a down year and teams kind of blocked him out a bit. But it'll be interesting to see if maybe they can they can mix things up a bit and maybe get him back up to where he expects to be. 
Yeah, like I said, my only issue is just I think the Rams are going to be shit this year. So, again, I just think it's just going to be, you know, can you have the best defensive player on a team that wins three games? MVP, we've both gone Pat Mahomes. Look, yeah, nice weapons, nice setup, good coaching. Now has a fun back to work with him. Like, yeah, I I, I can see it. Like, yeah, is there anyone else? He, I suppose Lamar is obviously... Yeah, Lamar, like, obviously, like, there's also... I suppose it's similar to Donald. Maybe it's too obvious. And maybe if someone has a really good season alongside him they might opt for him if opt for them but you know patrick mahomes with a full season it's hard not to see him putting up the type of yeah. statistics that there's are also hard just for any, any any of the listeners lamar would be a good shade for here but i don't think there's ever been a back-to-back mvp like a repeat yeah. they just there's voter fatigue essentially and our top long snapper because we need to get our special teamers in there i've gone for Kansas city's uh james winchester the winchester rifle yeah, and I went for Jonathan Weeks. He's the long snapper for the Texans. And I think anyone who 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 can last as long as he is, he's the most longest tenure player under Bill O'Brien. Uh, must oh, be doing wow. something all right. <laughs> Either that or he has terrible self-esteem issues. Uh, <laughs> this won't you know, you haven't been traded for a bag of crisps and like Josh Josh Gordon. We've got a okay. So our our not so good player awards. Uh, the coming their back player, the uh, the the worst defensive back of the year. I was torn between two. I've gone with either Lamarcus Joyner or Josh Norman. I always I've you see, I've picked Josh Norman the last two or three years, and I've always been pretty much close to correct. I think the only problem is that the rest of the league is catching up, and he's playing less and less, so it's harder to yeah, yeah. to justify him as being the worst. That's why, that's why I had Lamarcus Joyner instead. I was like, yeah, yeah, he'll probably yeah. play more. Uh, I went for Xavier Rhodes. He had an awful year for Minnesota last year. Now there's buzz from camp that now he's in a simpler man-to-man scheme. Maybe he can get back to where he was, but uh, I'm not really seeing it. We'll see if he can do better in Indianapolis, but last year he was just really, really bad. Open roads all the way. Uh, Tom Cable Award for the most penalty yards. Uh, You've gone for? Garrett Bold. It's a boring choice. Like He's actually improved slightly in this case, but... He's just he's he's a penalty machine generally, and in that zone scheme, it also tends to get a lot more holding as well due to the just the nature of the scheme as well. No, of course, I got Laramie Tunsil. He was the most penalty yards last year. He is blocking. Well, he's one he's one of the few very functional pieces on that line blocking in Houston, and we know what happens in Houston. They well, they've lost their best receiver and. Even when he was there, they'd hold the ball too long and they'd have to block for seven or eight seconds. Like he's gonna just he, he's gonna be trying to trying to block guys for twelve seconds now as they're trying to find someone open. Cause, you know, all of the wide receivers there are gonna be injured by week three. So yeah. I just I can't see him not causing a shitload of uh, of ones. Uh Jamarcus Hype Train Crash Award. So this is for the hype train that we think is going to crash hard. You have gone for. I've won for Minshew Mania. Now obviously I, I recognize that Jacksonville aren't expected to do much this year, but I do genuinely feel that, you know, Minshew, he was a good feel feel good story. And obviously they kind of have to play him because they, they've they've removed their other options. But I do kind of feel that as they this team is so bad that this could easily be a one to zero win type team and i think you know the Minshew mania kind of him being a good story and stuff it doesn't matter how good you are or how fun you are if you're the quarterback for a team like that it's gonna sour pretty quickly especially because it's a bad organization where players want to get out you know the like the coach is basically going to get fired and it's basically kind of just been a bad organization overall so it kind of feels bad to say this but i think Minshew mania will end up curdling this season and by the end we'll be like why the hell do we ever care about this guy yeah i said i i decided to go for probably the obvious one here uh tampa mm-hmm. bay like they are bringing back the stars of 2015 they have like loads of names and we're not sure what's going to happen there's so much expectations on them like like if they if they make it to the championship game it will be seen as Jesus, just not quite good enough, you know. Like they have, they've, they've built themselves up to be this huge thing, and I don't think they're even going to make the the postseason. I don't think so. Uh, yeah, Tampa Bay, because they've they, they they've been the most hyped, you know. Yeah, like I think it's an obvious choice, and uh, you know, like I think both of us kind of didn't rig them to go completely off the rails, but uh, yeah, you know, if they have a slow start and they do have some pretty tough matchups early on, you know, that could be a very interesting type of situation to to watch. Okay, our low expectation awards. What is going to be the Sanchez, the most embarrassing moment of the season? Yeah, so like I'm I, like just when when the kneeling stuff, obviously people are going to kneel. A lot of players are going to kneel. 
and yeah. we know we're in the middle of a certain uh, election in America and there's a certain party and president who may want to make it an issue. And even though I think internally now the NFL doesn't want it to be an issue, if certain people want to make it an issue, if they're willing to hammer it as much as they did back during the Colin Kaepernick era, then there's a decent chance that the news media will pick it up because that's how the news media works. And if that does happen, it's just going to be incredibly embarrassing and annoying and we won't want to talk about it, but we will probably end up being uh, have to deal with it. So I'm just not particularly uh, in in love with uh, that coming back, if it does. I've gone for, we'll see if this actually happens, that uh, some, so we're going to have some terrible Saturday night football theme song because uh, there's talk of basically that they, with the college can- seasons cancelled, that they'll take over Saturday. Because I remember that they used to call Thursday night football on Friday night and stuff like that. So we're going to get yeah. some really, really, really terrible shit like that. Uh, and like, it's just going to be this like terrible marketing horseshit. And it's just going to be, it's going to be cringy and it's going to be all over the news. You like that worst quote of the year. This is where we predict what we think someone's going to say. It's going to be the worst quote of the year. I am going to say the worst quote will come from Janice McNair, owner of the Texans. And she will say, we have decided to extend Bill O'Brien. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> and I have gone for Aaron Rodgers saying, I will love Jordan, love, as I do my family. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Dumpster fire of the year. Who's going to be the worst team? I'm going for the Jets. Uh, I think the, 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 the football team are in such a low place right now that uh, it's hard for them to, to, to not like go below their current expectations. Whereas the Jets, even though the expectations are low, Everything that we've heard over the last month indicates a team that's in massive disarray. And if they go like one, two wins with, you know, with the future of their franchise, with Darnold still there, you know, it's going to get quite ugly, especially because Gase will probably worth a crazy conference or two before he's kicked out. No, of course. Uh, I, I agreed with you. I said I thought the Washington football teams would be the worst. But uh, again, because it's just not expected of them or anything, I'm going with the Lions. I think the Lions are going to be terrible this year they're actually trendy like some people are saying they'll be good but uh, yeah i'm not really yeah that's like I, I, that's why i'm just thinking it was like there's people who are like, like oh they're, they're my sneaky gonna be good because we're coming on to that in a second uh and i just i just don't understand it uh like, high expectation awards so these are our big ones so surprise package team who's going to be the one that's going to surprise us you've so gone for i'm going for the dolphins who are kind of the surprise package one of the surprise package teams of last year i think Yes, of course, the, there's a quarterback controversy. Fitzmagic will, will play initially. But I think it's just an exciting young roster, and it's one that could put you know put stuff up to people, especially mm-hmm. in a division that is probably not the strongest right now. So I think with a good coach, with a fun organization, they could just like take it up to you. I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs, but they're the kind of team I could see sneaking into that seventh seed and maybe having a bit of fun. Mm-hmm. So I think they were fun at the end of last year, and hopefully that's what we can get this year as well, with a bit more results as well. Yeah, I've got for uh, <laughs> the hill I'm going to die on because I wanted it last year as well, but this year I feel real good about it. Cincinnati, I think they are going to be very impressive. I think, yeah, I think they've got the quarterback. I think they've got the weapons. I think the defense is going to be questionable. I think they're going to have to probably work to make sure that line is up to scratch, but they've got like good running back, multiple great weapons on the outside. I've I've got them going because they were the first overall pick. I've got them going to the playoffs. I believe in the fifth seed, yeah, sixth yeah, seed I this think, year. I think you did. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so yeah, I think they're. I think and also I think they're going to be really entertaining to watch. So uh, yeah, I think it should be good. So our big ones then, uh, AFC champion. We're in we, agreement we, we here. We're both we? for Kansas City. Uh, they good. Pat Mahomes, he good. They win Super Bowl. Still good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Kansas City, and then our NFC championship. We're also in agreement. New Orleans Saints. Yeah, like I think, you know, they, they got to beat it. They have to, they have to beat, beat their duck sometime. And if you're going to do it, they probably need to do it now. So yeah. uh, for no other reason that they really, really need to win now, because, uh, you know, in a couple of years, they're going to be an absolute cap hell. Uh, I would advise that they finally, you know, don't fuck up one of their playoff games or, you know, mm-hmm. don't be subject to a massive turn of lack of luck. Yeah, I've gone for for Casey. Uh, it's hard. Yeah, to I've, got, I've gone for us to run it back as well. Sorry, New Orleans. Yeah, yeah, you used to, used to bat them almost every year to go the whole way. But uh, yeah, no, that should be good. So yeah, so we're Kansas City, here's hoping. Uh, so I suppose now the time is here. We are going to go and have a look at our picks for week one. 
Okay, so first up, Thursday Night Football. I am so pumped for this. I'm going to be getting up in the middle of the night to be watching it. So Friday morning football, really, for all of us over here in Ireland. Uh, Houston at the Kansas City Chiefs. We've both gone Kansas City in this one. Yeah, look, like I said, we've got Kansas City for the for the Super Bowl. I think really strong team. Houston, while a good team, are missing a couple of pieces. There's chats that possibly even their, 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 some of their wide receivers might be injured and not available to, to them in the game. They're traveling to Kansas City. Like I think, I think Houston are materially worse than they were at the end of last season when they lost in the playoffs to the Chiefs. Is that fair? Yeah, and of course we've seen that the the Texans can spot the Chiefs a pretty big lead and they can still win. So it's it's hard to see what scenarios actually let the Texans win based on on past based on the recent past. And yeah, like the Texans aren't the better team. They obviously don't have DeAndre Hopkins, as you said. And uh, you know, we, it'll be interesting. Like they're probably the the funny thing is that their offense will probably be best in week one because all of their yeah. players will be healthy, relatively yeah. speaking, whereas by week 10, they might be uh, trying and to, as, to... And to as we mentioned, that. Kansas City are missing some starting quarterbacks and so on, so like they'll, they should yeah, be able like, to attack them the, to the, the air. The, like it, should the be, it should be an entertaining game. The Texans should score, but not enough. Not by far. I think this is going to be pretty one-sided, to be honest, but I think Perfect. you're probably okay with that. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I'd like it to be a bit exciting, but I don't want it too exciting. Uh, <laughs> Jets yeah. at Buffalo... I think both of us are not very high on the Jets. I think you were a little bit less uh, down than I'm, I'm, I'm I was. a little bit less worried, yeah. But I also but think I, that's I, a bump whenever they finally get rid of the I think, I think the Bills are, are, a, are a, you know, classic kind of medium quality team killer. Like if you're kind of below average to whatever average, then I think you're generally going to be, you're going to generally be good enough to, to get away with the... Uh, with with winning as the Buffalo Bills, I think you know maybe against the best teams at Kansas City they'll struggle, but it's hard to see that with that with that defense under McDermott, uh, with Josh Allen that run first offense, and they bring in Stephon Diggs, and the Jets just being in such disarray and having no one on defense at this point, it's just hard not to see Buffalo being able to get this done in Week One. Next up, Green Bay, Minnesota. This is a huge one to have at the very first game. Both gone for Green Bay in this. Um, look, Minnesota's defense has gotten better. Green Bay's offense is still a little bit up in the air. Like you know, it's it's mostly kind of up there about like wide receiver core where they're going to go and all that kind of stuff yeah like minnesota's defense will be good i expect green bay to be well prepared for this game and i also just as always say like the problem with minnesota isn't the defense the problem is the offense and not to fall back on old adages but kirk cousins can't beat teams that are above 500 and green bay are going to be an above 500 team so my assumption is pick the team that will be you know just can't pick Minnesota in these kind of games. So, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I think, you know, Green Bay, we know obviously there's a big, big hula going over there because they got, they drafted Jordan Love and now Aaron Rodgers. Is he going to come out there and prove himself? I think on the day you would probably take Green Bay because of, you know, they have a higher quality squad generally. Yeah. But I think Minnesota, they'll, we know these NFC North fights can be very feisty and they'll be coming out all out to stop that offense. So I think there's a, it'll be, it's, it's two teams that we kind of don't have a good read on coming into this season. Um, who both have high expectations. So it'll be very interesting to see where both these teams fall because it's hard to not see these both being the top two teams in that division at the end of it. It's just, can both of them be good enough to make the playoffs? Philly at Washington. The Washington team is bad. Philly are grand, even with all the injuries. So I expect Philly will probably make a bit of an effort of it, but we'll probably have enough to get over the the uh, Washington team um, at the end of the day. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100% there. Just There's just not enough talent on the Washington team at the moment. Cleveland at Baltimore, both gone for Baltimore in that one. Yeah, like Baltimore are really, really good. I expect them to be improved, if anything, after this offseason. Cleveland, while probably being improved versus what they were last year, I can't see them going up to Baltimore in the opener and beating them. Yeah. I think Cleveland will be like maybe probably below your Buffalo Bills standard of like they would be kind of yeah. the mid-tier could push up if everything goes right thing, whereas Baltimore are in that cream of the crop uh, and they're at home. Yeah, I think the important thing is A, do, how do we see this Baltimore defense? Like They obviously added a few players, and we know that they tried to add Clarny, perhaps, based on rumors. So is that defense at the level we expect? And I think for Cleveland, this is about, like, if they can win, of course, amazing, but they don't want to get embarrassed. Like This is a squad that's obviously, you know, has a new coach, new system. They have Baker Mayfield in year three with a lot of stuff to prove, OBJ. Like, there's a lot of moving parts there, and I think if they got absolutely embarrassed by Baltimore in week one, then that kind of, you kind of feel, might start the ball rolling on a bad way as we go through the year. So I think for them, 
you know, if they can at least keep this relatively competitive, that would probably be enough to, to keep things, uh, you know, under wraps for now. No, of course. Uh, Indy uh, Jacksonville, we've both gone Indianapolis. Yeah, I don't think either of us are particularly excited about this game. I know you're not. No. Uh, like, I'm probably more into the into the Colts project than you are, but even I only see them as maybe as a, as a wildcard type team. Jacksonville, we know, are in complete rebuild, sell everything off mode. So I expect that Philip Rivers will have a fairly easy way to, to, to ease himself into this system. And it'll probably be an opportunity for them to get a lot of late carries for Jonathan Taylor to rack up those points as well. Yeah, I'd, ex- I'd expect to see, like, the, the one thing you'll see is some highlights of Minshew throwing to uh, DJ Chark. That's, that's about all I'm expecting out of that game. Vegas Raiders at Carolina, both gone for Vegas. I think, yeah, the Raiders have more known roster, like they've got good running back, good tight end. They've got a good couple of weapons on the outside. Carolina, we're like they're kind of gutted. We know they've got Christian McCaffrey, but we like it's a new offense, new coach, new personnel in a lot of positions. Even though it's at home, I just imagine the Raiders have the skill players to kind of just yeah. get this done. And also like there's a chance we'll see a bump in the in the Raiders um defense this year because they do have a lot of players who were injured or not playing properly last year. So like we'll we'll see, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. it should be an easy enough test for Derek Carr. Like it's not really that exciting and like neither's the next game Chicago at Detroit. I think we we talked about the top of the NFC North tight tilt between Green Bay and Minnesota. This is like the dirt of the uh of it. Yeah. Uh, I think you've gone for Chicago. Yeah, I've gone for Chicago. I yeah. think the Lions are going to be terrible. <laughs> yeah, I think this is not a great game. I'm going for Detroit because I think they're a more talented team and they don't have Mitchell Trubisky at quarterback. That's basically most of it. And yeah. like Detroit, I think, at least have some upside where I just feel like this Chicago team with the opt-outs, with Mitchell Trubisky and a Nick Foles quarterback competition, it just feels, and, and Nagy on, on the hot seat, it just feels like a team that, that could easily go off the rails very, very quickly. Um, very Jags-like, in my opinion, and that's not a very good thing. Uh, Seattle at Atlanta. Uh, we've both gone for Seattle in this one. Yeah, like I, th- I think this will be a decent enough game. I think it'll, I think it'll be entertaining to watch. But Seattle just have that more, bit more of an edge to them. I like their offense. I like their pieces. I like their defense. Atlanta, their offense is very good, but their defense is terrible. They're at home, which maybe helps them a bit more. But I just, I just, I just. We both, say this every year, teams, they just feel flimsy. Yeah, both these teams start slow, so this will probably be a, a like. Even though both these teams are have talent on them, I expect this to be not a great game to watch. Uh, and you know, hopefully the Seahawks can to manage to, to eke it out. Hopefully, that's what I'm hoping for. Uh, next up, Miami at the Patriots. You've gone yeah. for New England. I'm backing up my uh, surprise package team by picking Miami. Obviously, Cam Newton coming in here. Um, as the new quarterback for the New England Patriots, the post-Tom touchdown Tom era. Very interesting to see how that goes, see if the defense can hold up. Obviously, they have Bill Belichick, which is a major advantage, but they did lose like three or four starters to COVID and injury. Yeah, No idea who's going to be their lead running back. There's a talk of a four-way running back committee right now. But they have Stefan Gilmore, they have Bill Belichick, so the defense should be solid. But I'm kind of just saying, like, if Brian Flores is the coach that I think he is, then... Miami should be able to take the next leap forward. And if their offensive line can at least be back up to average, that could make a huge difference. So I'm just going to think Miami have uh, Miami a bit more fun about them and they can make a statement here. But of course, anytime you pick about Belichick, you don't feel great about it. But I'm going for Miami and we'll see yeah. how it goes. I just, think, I just think New England at home, I think they'll have stuff lined up for this cam offense. Like Miami, I like them. I think they're going to be fun. But like, you know, like, they're, try, they're still trying to figure out, like, is Jordan Howard going to be the lead back? Is it going to be whoever? Like, they, they're, yeah, like on, they're, the, on the outside, I'm not sure about their wide receivers. Like, yes, Parker was good last year, but, like, is is he uh, like is he enough? Like, I don't know about the rest of their stuff. I, I, and Fitzpatrick has been great, but I don't think we've ever seen Fitzpatrick have two seasons back-to-back where he stayed in a place and he was good. I don't think he ever had a second year that was good. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> like these are all reasonable points. I, I don't disagree with you. I, I just don't my button this one. Like <laughs> basically similar to, to, to perhaps our, our next game and your game of the week. Uh, certain yeah. teams just have a certain pull in our heart, right? 
No, of course. Yeah, I got Chargers at uh, Cincinnati. I'm just, I, I, this is my game of the week because there's so much unknown going into this. So I'm, I'm really excited, obviously, like I said, to see the Cincinnati team. I want to see what their offense looks like. I want to see Burrow. Yeah, I just, I'm, I'm really excited to see that offense. The Chargers, I'm just, I want to see what they look like because, again, you always see it. Like they have, they have a talented roster, but what's the offense going to look like? Like, even watching Hard Knocks, I haven't gotten a good handle on what they're planning to do with it. Like they've they've massively extended like their wide receiver one, who is kind of a deep threat speed guy, which is not the way that Tyrod throws the ball. Maybe they've got plans in the back half of the season for Herbert, but yeah, I'm just I just want to see it. Uh, this is the first year I can remember going into it where the Chargers haven't won the off season and are expected to win the AFC West. So like I just I just think it'll be interesting because. Cincinnati, I think it's a good test because I don't think the Chargers are going to be a high flyer this year. Uh, and I think it's kind of a good betting in game for them. And for the Chargers, I think it's good to see some of their moving pieces against what should be a softer Cincinnati defense. So I think you'll get entertaining splash plays on both sides. So I yeah, think it'll be good it, to watch. It'll be a fun test for Joe Burrow because obviously that offensive line, they, they've done some stuff, but it's still not one of the better ones. Yeah. So, uh, But he did make a lot of great plays from outside the pocket at, at LSU in his record-breaking season. So if he can if he can do it against this front, against Ingram and Boza, then, you know, I think, you know, your investment in him has been a really exciting prospect, and, and I kind of agree with it as well. Yeah. It will, think, it will, it will get like, the fans excited very quickly if he does manage oh, yeah. to survive this type of test. And, like, you've got, you've got that combination of kind of speed and size at the wide receiver position there. Like, even John Ross and stuff like that. Like, they're missing Derwin James, their Pro Bowl safety. Like, they are a little bit weak in that defensive backfield. So they will be exposed if he can get... Like, and you're right, like the, the, the pass rush is the worry, Bosa and all that. But uh, and, but like, yeah, it could be could be very exciting. Uh, I just think it'll be a fun one to watch. There should be a lot in the highlight reels. Arizona at San Francisco. Uh, we disagree on this one. I Yeah, I went Arizona and you went San Francisco. Yeah, like, it's like trajectory, right? It's kind of like Arizona kind of feel like a team that's on the up. San Francisco, mostly, um, like, there's a bit of a stagnation and then the injuries came in and kind of maybe yeah. have taken them off track this offseason. You're kind of going, ha- have Arizona already reached a plane where they're already able to beat San Francisco in their own, in, in their own, in their own yard? And, like, I'm, I'm willing to give San Francisco the benefit of the doubt. I think that Shanahan is a great coach, especially in the offense, and he can manage to make something out of the current stew. And, of course, they're a run-first team, and they do have a... They, like they're, besides trading Breida, they basically have the same running backs as they had last year. So if San Francisco can establish the run and play the game that they like to play, then they should have a good chance here. And Arizona, of course, we know that you know when their offense fizzles out, it tends to fizzle like, quite badly. Um, so it's all yeah. about whether in year two... Kingsbury has added enough extra stuff um, that that offense can be a bit more consistent. And then whether that defense with the addition of Isaiah Simmons can finally fix up some of its big holes because they were terrible against tight ends last year and George Kittle exists. So this will be a really good test to see if Simmons can, and, and the other changes uh, can fix yeah. up that gaping hole they had. Uh, but, you know, maybe they yeah. have, maybe they have. And they have DeAndre Hopkins, so, you know, they don't yeah, like, I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking, like, Nuke Hopkins is going to tear Richard Sherman apart for this game. <laughs> like... He's it's just funny. Gonna... I'd probably go for the other cornerback, but yeah, he, he could probably do that as well. Yeah, but no, um, yeah, no. I think I think it'll be good. I like Arizona. I think they've got you know, they've got a lot of quality pieces on that team. They were very exciting the back end of last year. Offense and defense look good. San Francisco, look, defense is good. They lost one or two pieces, but they still got a lot of star power there. But on the offense, all their pass catchers are injured apart from Kittle, if they go, yes, they're a run first team, but if they go heavy run first, then it means that the guys can just target in on that. And remember, if this Arizona defense gets going at all, like you saw, and then Super Bowl is probably a bad example because there's obviously a lot of high talent pass rushers there, but like once he starts to get shaken, Jimmy Garoppolo, I don't think he's all that good at quarterback. So Mm. I don't think it takes a huge amount to throw him off his game, you know? Yeah, no, like, it's an interesting, it's an interesting matchup, but I think you know it'll. I think yeah, given the uncertainty around San Francisco, it'll be interesting if Arizona have taken that next step up. Uh, next up is my game of the week. Yeah, your pick of the week. Great game. New Orleans, uh, and you will never find two more win now teams in the history of the <laughs> NFL. It feels like you know the forty something Tom Brady versus the forty something Drew Brees, like New Orleans cap situation and Drew Brees uh, attachment to a. Uh, media gig is pretty much that this is 
going to be Drew Brees last year in New Orleans, and they've obviously been given the worst fate of the gods in terms of playoff appearances over the last three years, from the Minneapolis Miracle to the the uh, the Rams Phantom PI um, that never that they never got, and obviously last year against Minnesota they kind of just shit the bed. Like so, you know, this is a team that needs to win now. They have the talent to win now. We see with Alvin Kamara, he wants to get paid. So this is a team that is going to look really different in a year or two. Uh, but this group that they've had for what feels like, you know, like a generation at this point in NFL terms, like this is their last chance saloon. Like this is, I kind of feel like they're almost equivalent to the, those Bills teams from the early 90s that lost three Super Bowls in a row. This is like, you know, if they don't get over the hump, they're going to be one of those great what-if teams of yeah, the NFL yeah. in recent history. So a lot of pressure, but a lot of talent. And Sean Payton's a very talented coach. And they've made the playoffs, you know, quite easily each year. So it's hard not to see them uh, like taking a major step back. And then of course we have Tampa Bay on the other side. They make the big the big signing of Tom Brady. TV goes to TV, TV squared, whatever you want to call it. Like this is a situation where, you know that's, that's a roster which probably has more holes on it, but you add Tom Brady, you have Chris Godwin, you have Mike Evans, you bring in uh, you bring in uh, Leonard Fournette, you know, you add him to Ronald Jones, like maybe they can do something there in the backfield. Uh, they'll probably end up having like some weird guy do the most of the pass catching and actually end up being the best. But Rob Gronkowski back, they have OJ Howard, like this is an offense stacked with talent with a decent offensive line. And on the defense, you know, Todd Bowles has, has done pretty good work with them last year, considering the lack of talent. And this is a team with lots of young cornerbacks, so they should be better. They have Levante David. They have Sue came back for one more. Run. It's a team which, in theory, should be really good. But, you know, I'm going to take form over hype. And I'm going to pick New Orleans for this. I think you're going to do the same. But I think, yeah. you know, for two teams, which they're betting basically everything on this season and uh, maybe in time basically at least one more season it's going to be really interesting to watch these two teams throughout the entire season and therefore this game in terms of setting the i suppose the feeling the hype for both these teams it's going to be a really important game uh, for the entire nfl no no and like i think also like we just said like it's just going to be fun to see what does this tampa bay offense look like what does tom brady outside of bill belichick's system look like ah like it's 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 the it, it's probably the biggest game on the on the lineup this week. There's so much it, pressure, so much pressure. Yeah, and, and there's there's a lot of there's a lot of talk of like you know if they if two of these teams are pushing and they do end up pushing, this is Tampa Bay at New Orleans. Like there are people out there who have this predicted to be the championship game for the NFC, yeah. kind of thing. So like it's it's a big one to open up with. So yeah, no, very very excited for it. Mm. Uh, Dallas at the LA Rams. Uh, yeah, I, I think. We're both kind of going towards Dallas as being a, a NFC contender, whereas the Rams feel more like a team that's still in transition, especially because they made all those changes of coaching. Like they obviously have, you know, Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey um, on the defense, so they should be solid. And it'll be interesting to see how much they can slow down this Dallas team that's getting offense is getting a lot of hype. But I just think Dallas overall are just a more talented team and should be able to get it done against the Rams in their new fancy stadium. So. You know, the Rams will be solid this year, but I think Dallas will be that a step above that and can get it done. Oh, yeah. No, I pretty much agree entirely. Yeah, I, I'm very low on the Rams this year as well. We'll see. Uh, Pittsburgh at the New York Giants. Uh, both gone for Pittsburgh here. Look, they didn't even need Big Ben back for this one. That Pittsburgh defense from last year would be enough to, to stop this Giants team, I think. But Ben being back, the weapons that they'll have on the outside, hopefully Juju steps up, but like Deontay Johnson and a few of those guys that they have should do well. Uh, I'd like them to have a bit more depth at running back because James Conner was hit and miss. But the Giants... I don't hate them as much as a lot of people do, but I also think that they have holes where they they can't survive with them. Good running back, decent. Like I kind of like Danny Dimes, decent quarterback, but like no, but this won't be his chance to show that he's gonna get no. It's, it's, he's, 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 he's gonna he's gonna give some give give a lot of uh, ammunition to those who don't like him. I think in this game because this Pittsburgh defense is really good. Yeah, I agree with you. And finally, and, uh, we've got Tennessee at Denver. Yeah, like a kind of two middling teams. Tennessee perhaps a bit more upside based on what they did last year, but then the Denver kind of added maybe more exciting. Maybe like Tennessee's basically the team they were last year, which mm. was really good in parts, but obviously you know had some issues against uh, Kansas City in the AFC Championship. So, but they did obviously knock off New England and Baltimore in the playoffs. So 
you know, Tennessee fans have, have legitimate reason to be optimistic, and I'm going to side with them and say that they can get this done, uh, even in mile high, but obviously without the fans. So it's a tough, tough place to go week one, you know, when you've had such a short mm-hmm. offseason with the, the oxygen issues. But I think Tennessee, they have Derrick Henry. They'll run it down their throats. This probably won't be the most aesthetically pleasing game if you're not into defense and running. But I think, you know, I'm putting my faith that the, the Tennessee template hasn't been figured out because it is a simple template everyone knows what they're going to do but they managed to get it done last year and denver like i think denver will be improved and i'll probably let you like talk about that a bit but i think i don't know if they're ready to make that step to beating a team like tennessee just yet Uh, i think they'll grow into this season though i am optimistic about that yeah no i just yeah i just think it's early in the season for tennessee they're on the road in denver they're up at that height which to be honest doesn't really lend itself to their type of game plan anyway I quite liked what I saw at Denver at the tail end of the season last year. Uh, I like the tight end Fant. I like their weapons on the outside. I thought Locke looked good. I'm not doing. I'm not agreeing with this whole anointing him as being. They've now found a franchise quarterback, but it's better than the shit they've had for the last two or three years. I like the pieces on their defense. Tennessee, I thought did well last year, but I thought it was a little bit catching lightning in a bottle. It doesn't seem like a sustainable game plan to me. See, like I think there are times where it'll work. Like you can just run Henry, but. He's coming off what four hundred and thirty something carries last season. You yeah, don't generally but they paid him. He's happy. I know, but like it doesn't matter about payment and happiness. You don't tend to get a second year performance like that after a year with that much wear and tear on the tires. And he's not doing soft speed finesse running like he is tackling guys and taking body shots. So I don't know what you're saying about Denver that they'll be better later on the thing I'm feeling that about Tennessee that they need to they need to make people respect the pass game a bit more because that's the only reason this stuff is working in the first place and I just I think I think, I think it'll take a week or two to figure it out I think both of us are agreeing this probably won't be the most fun game then <laughs> no I wouldn't be I wouldn't be mad about watching this uh, maybe just to see a couple of bits of how the rookie wide receivers are looking but yeah uh, I wouldn't bother with it because we had our uh, our preseason awards we didn't do any questions this week but we'll be starting them back up from next week so please pop them into the facebook account on twitter on email and all that kind of stuff but yeah so i'm going to be heading down to dublin i'm going to go watch the games with uh our ex-co-host harry this weekend what about yourself are your plans for for the weekend hopefully say up for uh, the thursday night football your your boys to spank mm. the texans if they do it too well i'll probably cut off early yeah, but, yeah. Uh, uh yeah so i'll probably be watching you know seven hours of commercial free football will start uh, around six o'clock our time and i'm looking mm. very much forward to the warm embrace of of red zone as we kind yeah. of face into a winter that you know all the outside of stuff like sport and the nfl uh, you know there's not exactly a huge amount making me feel uh <laughs> particularly no, optimistic no, for the next not. couple of months hopefully 2021 can be a little bit better but uh, for now we'll, we'll make do with the football and uh with our with our loved ones and, and all that kind of stuff no, it should be uh, should be good fun. But I suppose that'll do us for now. Football's back. I'm so excited. <laughs> so that's it for this week at All Four Quarters. So I suppose it's bye from myself. Bye from Ronan. Bye. This has been All Four Quarters. Thanks for listening. And we'll chat to you next week. Good cheeks. <laughs>